0: I really do believe that the Lord is speaking today because I was going to share Rife's report card with you. And so I was unsure if I should do this. And given that we've had an awards ceremony, I think a report card is in order. And um, so in order to you know, think about a report card, let's go back to some school days if we can and, uh, and get in that mod set for a report card Issue now. Unfortunately, Rife, you're, you're going to get a B today, oh. I, and the reason is when I think of Rife, all the words I think of start with B, and and I, I know that he's a perfectionist, and so what we want him to do is we want him to spend the next 15 years working up to an A. So so he's got you know 15 more years, but um I, you know I've got a lot of B words, and he used one of them when he came up. He said he said that he was better. Between the two of us, he used a B word. I said, the Lord, you, you, the Holy, you must be speaking because there's another B word. You know? That is true. He is better, and, and I'll, I'll give you that. You're, you're better. But, uh, but some other words that, that he likes to use are brother. And, and if he says brother, I know that something salty is about to follow. <laughs> I just know it. And you know, he turned to me one day. We were in a van. A lot of these stories come from our retreats together. He turned to me. He says, you know, he says uh, he says it just like Rife would say. Man, you're saucy. And, and I didn't, I, I stopped, I said, what, I'm, I'm saucy? What does that mean, I'm saucy? And I started thinking about it, and I thought, you know, I'm not saucy, but if somebody dishes it out, I'll give it back, right? And and so I was like, you know, wait a minute, now, this is a corporate anointing kind of thing. It's your sauciness that's drawing my sauciness out, and so I said, it's you're the saucy one, I'm just reciprocating. But anyway, when he says brother, I know it's coming, I know the sauciness is coming, And I I learned a B word from Rife this year, last year actually, the first time I ever heard this word, bougie. I didn't know what that word was, but he used it and and I think it fits, like bougie. Every time I hear bougie, I I think of Rife and, uh, you know, uh, one of Rife's, I don't know if y'all know this about him, but one of his favorite foods is butter on a baked potato. And we were getting ready to have some steak and baked potatoes and I was getting the butter out and I, put, I said to him, I said, do you think two sticks of butter is enough? Now, I don't know how much butter they eat in Mississippi. Uh, maybe Clovis and Mervis can help us out there. By the way, so glad to see Mervis in church today. Uh, glad you made it finally. And, you know, he, he said, Rife, don't you think two sticks of butter is enough? He said, no, I think we're going to need at least four. <laughs> and I started counting everybody. I mean, there was like nine of us. You know, I'm like, that's half a stick of butter a person. <laughs> He says, oh, I'll eat half a stick of butter. or something like, I don't know. I did the math. He was like, I'll eat that much. I said, I said you might, but I don't know about everybody else. So so we watched. He said, watch and see. And sure enough, um, it, was, it was less than two sticks of butter. But I know Rife likes his butter on his baked potatoes. And um, we were having dinner last week, and I was watching him. Of course, he ordered a steak and a baked potato. And I started thinking, I don't think there's enough butter on this table for Rife. They only gave you five cups of butter and... <laughs> you use the ball and I I, I started feeling sad I'm like you know there's not enough butter here for you but anyway he likes his butter um you know coming back to the Colonel Sanders the beard the best beard award I got to give you that and um definitely there's also a bed and breakfast story but I'll let him tell you that one and so when I think of ripe, I think of bees um and so you know I'm sorry you're gonna have to get a B on your report card today but 15 more years you'll work it up to an A okay and I, and I know he will because he's a perfectionist, so I know he'll go after the A, and, um, and so we want you around for 15 more years. But honestly, in, in, all, in all seriousness, um, jokes aside, it's an honor for me to be here. It, it's really a privilege, and, you know, I was thinking about it, if I, if I have a question that I can't answer, Rife is the first person, I think, to call. And, and there's a verse I want to I read and, and I really so appreciate him and Shea in this house and just the heart for the kingdom of God. But I want to read a verse that, that really reminds me of Rife. Um, it's out of Philippians chapter 2. And Paul says this to Timothy. It's, it's not on the overhead, but it says, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father... He has served with me in the work of the gospel. And so, you know, when, when I think of Rife and I think of Destiny Church and, and I think of you guys, I think of a kingdom church. I think of a ministry that, that, that cares about God's kingdom and, and he's not doing it for himself. Shay's not doing it for herself. That th- these are people that I can call on and I know he'll answer the call and I know he'll be there for me. And I know that, that my success is his success. And I really want to honor you as a church family today because that is so important to me. I remember when I came uh, back to Baldwin County seven years ago, um, you were one of the first people I met, and you made time for me. You sat down, we had lunch together, and you've been with me and for me ever since. And we talked about what does it mean to have kingdom pastors in Baldwin County? What does it mean to have people that care about more than just their congregation? But we see the big picture, and we sacrifice for one another, and we're willing to lay our lives down for one another. And I'm telling you that is rare, that is special, and that is valuable. And so I really do want to honor you today for being those people. Rife and Shay, it's an absolute blessing for me to have you in my life he brought me into the pastor's group that we meet with, and, and every pastor he meets, he invites to that group. And, and why? Because he's trying to build a, God's kingdom, yeah. not this church. I, I know that, that his heart is here, but Rife and Shea see the bigger picture, and that is so rare, friends. I want to tell you today, I don't know if you realize how rare it is, but it, it's really a special thing, and it's an honor ...for me to be able to be here and to share with you today. And I want to talk today, if I can, and we'll get into the Word... ...about what does it take to serve God for 15 years in a place? What what does that take to go 15 years? And and as I was thinking about that... um, ...you know, how do I... I ...what do I compare that to? A couple things came to mind. If anyone's been married for 15 years... You have an idea of what it's like to serve and lead a church for fifteen years if anyone has a fifteen year old you know now now i have a, i've been married eleven years and my oldest is seven. But I've been in ministry for more than 15 years. I've been in South Africa for 12 years. And I'll share at the end, if there's time, a little of that testimony. But I know what it's like to go 15 years. And I want to talk to you today about that. Um, But but it's similar. And, you know, when you're married or you have children, you're a shepherd in your family. And you're in a covenant relationship. And, And you have good days and you have bad days. And you have ups and downs. You have times where you're questioning yourself. And you're wondering, am I going to make it? overcoming those times is what it takes to go 15 years okay and we all know that because we've been there before and so i want to talk a little bit about this what does it take to to serve for 15 years and i can't think of that question without thinking of king david and the reason i can't do that is because david was anointed by samuel to be the king of israel but do you know it took about 15 years for him to be made king And so scholars have worked it out that it took 15 years from the day the prophet anointed him and said, you are called by God to be the king for him to actually be recognized as the king of Israel. And and I think to myself... Wow, what a commitment to God to last 15 years to carry a vision in your heart and yet not fully see it. And even when they made him king, it was another seven years after that before, Judah would rec- or before Israel would recognize him. They made him king of Judah, and then it was another seven years before he was made the king of the whole country. And so David's faithfulness over 15 years strikes me. And, and it's amazing because during that time, David was persecuted. During that time, David was being rejected. During that time, he was hiding out in caves. During that time, King Saul was going after him. And King Saul wanted to attack David. He wanted to deal with David. And and you know what David didn't do for 15 years? He never once retaliated. He never once tried to manipulate his own advancement. He never once tried to operate in the flesh. He trusted God for 15 years to fulfill the promise that God put on his heart. Why do I say this? Because that's what it takes to last 15 years in in, in ministry in the same place is willingness to trust God. Not manipulating, not not trying to force it, but saying, you know what? I may not fully see everything I want to see right now, but I'm going to trust God for what's to come. It takes time for the breakthrough to happen. And a lot of us a lot of times we forget that we we treat life and church and the bible like one big highlight reel and i want to say that's a mistake because the highlights come through seasons of faithfulness they don't just come They don't just arrive. And and guys, I know there's highlights. I know you can look back on 15 years and and look at the highlights and celebrate the highlights, and you should. But how did those highlights came? They came through faithfulness. They came through through being faithful when when you couldn't see the end result. You couldn't see where this was going. It felt felt hard. It felt like everything was closing in around you. It felt like you may not even see tomorrow. There were times where David despaired. There were times where he was in a cave. There were times where he didn't know if he's going to make it out of that cave alive. Right. Now, now listen, here, here's the secret to ministry, to life, to, to, I'm going to be vulnerable for a minute, to even being married and having kids. We carry that in our hearts sometimes. I don't know if I'm going to get out of this cave. But God, I'm trusting you. Yes. You want to know what it takes to get a highlight and a breakthrough from the Lord? This is the kind of thing it takes. It takes 15 years of waiting upon the Lord. And then a breakthrough comes. And the problem is the world celebrates the highlights without understanding the process. There is a process in God that takes time. And I want to show you that today. And we can't just stop and say, well, you know, what are the highlights? What's the highlight reel? 90% of ministry is worked out in the trenches. It's the hard slog of life. It's being faithful. It's walking with people. It's loving people. It's, it's working it out day by day. We need, and, and, and here's the thing, even with the scripture, we can open up the Bible and we can treat it like a highlight reel. But we're not, we're missing something when we do that. We need to be able to open the scripture and find the space between the events. Find the space between the events and ask yourself the question, what was really going on because the prophet samuel comes along and he anoints king david but david's not king yet it's going to take time and a lot of things are going to happen between those events and and sometimes it's just a space between a period and the next sentence but it represents a lot of time and we got to ask ourselves what did it take to be faithful during that space and so when we read the Bible, I would encourage you to look for that. I'm going to show you some examples of that. But, but when I look at David's life, and I love the story of King David, I see a lot of tough moments. And, and, and this is kind of a hard thing to consider, but I see some despair. I see some hard times. I see him overcoming. And one of the, one of the moments that I want to bring to your attention today, if you have your Bibles, would you open with me to 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And there, there's a few of these, but... But this one is is really a bad one. And it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. Let me give you a little background. David has been at the battle lines with Saul. And the Philistine king is not sure if David is going to defect or not. So he sends David home. He says, go home, back to your people. When David gets home, back to Ziglag... His wife and his kids have been taken. There's been an Amalekite army that's come through and they have ransacked David's uh, campsite and they've taken everything. So David gets back from the battlefield and everything is gone. And look what happens in verse 6. It says that, um, well, let me take it before that in verse 4. It says, David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. His two wives had been captured. And then it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. And just like that, his men turned against him. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. I'm going to tell you, friends, if we're going to make anything for 15 years, we're going to have to learn to find strength in God. If we're going to have to stay faithful in our marriage for 15 years. We'll have to find strength in God. If we're going to have to raise kids for 15 years or more. We're going to have to find strength in God. There are going to be days where it's going to seem like the world has turned against us. And this, for David, was one of those days. But David didn't give up, and this is the powerful thing in Christianity and in ministry and in life and in covenant relationship. If you don't give up, eventually you win. I just want to tell you that, like, if you don't quit, you win, and that is something that I carry in my heart because I have days like this, and and what I land on on days like this is, you know what, I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to keep going. And, and eventually, something is going to change, and God is going to bring the breakthrough. And that's how you live in breakthrough. I'm going to show you in the Bible. That is how you see the Lord do a great thing, is you keep going. And so we, you don't stop. You don't say, well, hey, I'm throwing in the towel. You keep going, and you keep walking it out. And David did that. And and, and look, turn with me, if you will, to the very next book. It's 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. A really amazing thing happens right after this. Now, remember, David's been waiting 15 years to be king. He's honored Saul. He's, um, he's not killed Saul, even though he could have. He's not taken this by force. He's waited upon the Lord, and he's honored Saul, and he's done the right thing. And, um, and it says in 2 Samuel 1, verse 1 to 2, After the death of Saul, David returned from defeating the Amalekites. This is that story. He goes after them. He defeats them. He gets his wives and kids back. And he stayed in Ziglag for two days. On the third day. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, we just celebrated Resurrection Sunday last week. Do yourself a favor. Read the scripture and notice every time God comes through on the third day. It's powerful. What's he doing? He's setting up that moment when Jesus is going to rise on the third day. For two days. Like, it's, it's bad. But on the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and with dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. And then it says, where have you come from? David asked him. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked. Tell me. He said, this, the men fled from the battle, many of them fell and died, and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Now that was a tragic moment, but it was also the moment that David was promoted in God's eyes. And I want to I tell you, it's not a coincidence that three days before his promotion, he had one of the worst days of his life. It's not a coincidence. That three days before, God is going to do something great The enemy comes and tries to stir up trouble and tries to get him to quit. God will try to get you to quit right before the finish line. He'll try to get you to quit right before breakthrough. I have seen it many times where I've known a person is this close to breakthrough. And and I can see it and I'll say it and I'll say, you know what, the Lord's about to do it. And, And something happens and they give up. Friends, don't quit. Don't give up. And David didn't. And 15 years later, God makes good on his promise. And David is made the king right after this. A breakthrough comes. And, and, and guys, this is what we do. This is the problem we have. We look at the breakthrough. We look at the fact that he was king. And when we think of David's life, we think of all the good things. We think of the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. We think of the fact that he was anointed by Samuel to be king. We think of the fact that he killed Goliath. We don't remember that it took 15 years from point A to point B and that that was hard sometimes and then he had to overcome some things and I want to encourage us today as a church as a body to continue to be faithful to continue to walk it out to not give up and we see that in David's life and we see that in the lives of all the saints if you read the scriptures, you will find that over and over and over again, God didn't just take days or weeks or months or years. He often took decades to do what he said he was going to do. Yeah. Now, now, what happens when you're in ministry is you have this, this thing in your heart bubbling up inside of you. You have a vision. You have a desire. But do you know something? It may take decades for God to fully perform it. And if we're looking for that now, we may miss the Lord. And there are, there are people and, and movements and things that will just give you the highlights every time. But, but you know what? It's not genuinely what God is wanting to do. Sometimes God is saying it's going to take a season to get to where I want to take you. And, and I want to show you this in the scripture. that, that This is a very uh, a normal process. It's something that, that we see everywhere. We see it with Moses. I'll show you a couple of verses about Moses. Um, and, and look at a couple more people. But when Moses was 40 years old, this is really cool. Stephen is speaking in Acts 7, and they're getting ready to stone Stephen. And he says this about Moses. It's powerful. It says, when Moses was 40, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Notice this verse. Moses thought that his own people would recognize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Now, what's going on here? Moses is 40, and he has a thing in his heart where God has called him to rescue the Israelites. I want you to see that at 40. And so his way of doing that is he's been raised in Pharaoh's house, he has all the wisdom of Egypt, he's, he's been trained, and he's thinking, I am ready to set the people free, and I'm going to take that Egyptian, and I'm going to do this right now. At 40, he's got this vision. He's got this ministry in his heart. He knows the call of God on his life at 40 years old. That's why he killed the Egyptian. The Bible says he knew. He thought the people would see that, that he is their Redeemer. Or that, not their Redeemer, their Rescuer. That God's going to use Moses. They didn't see it. Do you know what happens next? He runs away and hides because they find out what he did, and he's worried they're going to kill him. So he goes to a place called Midian, which is like modern-day Mississippi. Something like that. They would say Alabama, you know, they, they would they would say it's Alabama. But but it's in the middle of nowhere. And he is becomes a shepherd in the middle of nowhere. And do you know how long God left him there? In the middle of nowhere? Forty years. it, it was he was eighty years old when the burning bush happened. Now, you put yourself in Moses' shoes. See, this is one of those little short spaces in the Bible, but you have to read between the lines. For 40 years, Moses is a shepherd asking God this question. God, I thought you wanted to use my life to set the people free. What happened? And for 40 years, he's faithful with sheep until the day comes that there's a burning bush encounter. And you say, God, why would it take 40 years? I think I know why. I have a couple thoughts here. Something in Moses needed to die. You see, when God's going to call Moses... He's going to call him to trust God. He's going to call him to speak to a rock. He's not going to call him to do it in his own strength anymore. It's not about his fists. Something in Moses' own ability has to die so that when God resurrects this dream, Moses knows this isn't me anymore. This isn't my best effort on my best day. This is God. And that is necessary to carry what God wanted Moses to carry. And it's going to take 40 years to get to that point where Moses has the character, the integrity, and the trust of God, and he's died enough to himself for God to say, I can now trust you in the next 40 years. I heard a man say, I think it was um, Mike Bickle said this. He said, there were things I desired in my early ministry that the Lord did not give me. There were certain gifts I desired. There were things that were in my heart. But I know if he would have given me then, I would have grown proud and it would have wrecked my life. Guys, there is a process in ministry where we prove ourselves faithful over time through a dying period. You know, I mentioned this to our church last week. It was Resurrection Sunday. We love resurrection life, but we forget that for something to resurrect, it has to die first. And so you say, why, why, what's going on, God? You know, what's this process? Why, why do I feel like people are coming against me or it's not what it should be? Because something is dying inside of me so that God can come along and resurrect it. And then you get the highlight and then you get this amazing breakthrough. And then it's the glory. Hallelujah. Yay. God. Wow. It's the anointing. It's the presence. It's everything we long for. But God was taking us through a process to get us there. And I want to tell you, David went through that process. Saul did not. Saul did not last very long. His good days were very few because easy come, easy go in the kingdom. And God was setting up a man after his own heart and he knew that to get David to that point, he needed to go through that process with the Lord and it was going to take time. And so for 15 years, this is what David's doing. He's running around the desert and God is is coalescing, or or whatever the word is, an army around him, a small army. A group of people that society didn't really accept. 400 men at first, and then 600. They would become David's fighting men. They would become David's mighty men. Their names would be in scripture. They would become the greatest army to ever walk the face of the earth. I can't wait to see their story in heaven one day. Their DVD. You think the gladiator or Braveheart's great? Look, David's mighty men were amazing. And let me tell you what I feel like the Lord is saying about this church. You've been plowing for 15 years and God's been putting an army around you. An army where there's been battles and there's been fights and you've won battles and you've won fights together. But the the great exploits began after the 15 years that that God has been positioning key people around you guys and remember it's not about size this was a small army compared to every other army but they never lost come on I'm about to start a series next week my church doesn't even know it I'm about to start a series called the remnant army I want you to understand that we are in the days of a remnant church where God is raising up a remnant. He does not need a majority to win. He needs people that are faithful and committed to win. And I believe that part of what's been going on has been this army's been forming. And you're about to step into the exploits that they did. And and there there, there were great things that these men did. They were the most feared fighting men. Look, you, you don't want to face those guys. I believe that's what God has been doing here. And he's been setting you up for the next thing. And it's taken this time to do this. And, and we see this everywhere. This isn't just with Moses or David. We see that Abraham, do you know Abraham waited 25 years? Like 25 years from the day God said you will be the father of many nations until he had one son. One son. 25 years Abraham waited. The disappointment, the, the, the time that that took... And yet, after 25 years, breakthrough, a highlight, an amazing thing that only God can do. The Bible says that against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so he became the father of many. We see that this is the same with Isaac and Rebekah. Rebekah was barren for 20 years. Why is it that the patriarchs' wives were barren? Why is it that Sarah was barren? Why is it that Rebecca was barren? Why is it that Jacob's wife, Rachel, was barren? Why would God make the patriarchs, whom he wants to form an entire country around, have barren wives? Because through decades of barrenness, God is creating a trust and a dependency that only he can do what he wants to do. And so he's using time to get us to die to ourselves, to get us to turn to him so that when the day comes that that it rains, when the day comes that the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit's going to do, when the day of breakthrough comes, we say, that was God. That wasn't my best efforts. That wasn't me trying to kill the Egyptian anymore. We see it with Joseph. (laughs) Y'all know the stories? I mean, you just read the Bible and think about every person in the Bible. We see it with Noah building the ark. But Joseph, you know, they they sent, (laughs) Joseph is terrible. He was a slave, and then he was in jail. And then get this, the cupbearer's dream, you remember the story, like he interprets the dream, he says, just remember me to Pharaoh? Now, this has been years. And the cupbearer forgot about Joseph, and so like two more years just passed just because this guy forgot. And Joseph's sitting there for two years, thinking, God. What is going on? And immediately, overnight, he went from the prison to the palace. He, became a, he went from being in jail to being the second most powerful man in the world. And overnight. Why? Because God was waiting for the fullness of time. Don't you think something inside of Joseph had to die in that jail? Don't you think that, you know, Joseph's saying, God, what are these dreams? You gave me these dreams. You gave me these visions. Where are you, God? And he's asking himself these questions. I don't understand, God. Can I tell you that being in ministry for for this long and being married for this long and having kids for this long, we're going to come to days where we say, God, I don't understand why this is happening. But here's what we don't do. We don't give up. We keep going. And I will tell you that is always the secret to breakthrough. Just keep going. Just keep going. We see it with Caleb, he waited 40 years. We see that Jesus spent 30 years on earth before he ever ministered publicly. What was he doing? Growing in favor with man and with God. Jesus himself, 30 years of almost silence for three years of ministry. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.8, I didn't put the slide up. He says that he despaired even of life itself. He had a bad day, or two, or three, or more. He had a bad season. He didn't understand, but he kept going. They put Paul in jail, put him in prison. He says, you can't chain the word of God. I may be in jail, but I'm going to continue to write letters. I'm going to continue to serve God in jail. People are going to get saved in jail, and God began to anoint Paul's letters. He began to anoint his jail ministry. I often joke, I say things sometime that might get me put in jail and I'm like, Lord, if the government wants to put me in jail, then then so be it. They can pay for my ministry there. And and that's how I feel. Like, we've got to be okay saying, God, whatever you're going to do, I'm just going to keep going. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. And so we see this everywhere. One of my favorite stories is the story of Ruth. I love the story of Ruth. Here is a woman who follows Naomi back to Israel. She has no prospects. Naomi says, you're not going to get a husband. They're poor. They're broke. Um, She's out there picking up grains in a field. Like, she's doing slave labor, essentially. And, and, you know, she has no real prospects. And she's putting herself at risk and in danger on the road back to Bethlehem was a dangerous road. Plus, being in the fields was dangerous. And she's doing it all for one reason. And here's a word that I want to land with today. She's doing it because of this word called covenant. Covenant. Now, you want to know, what does it take to go 15 years? It takes covenant. It takes understanding that I am in a covenant with God, and I am in a covenant with people. And I am in a covenant with my wife. I am in a covenant with my family. And I want to show you something that there are three types of covenant relationships mentioned in Malachi 2. It's really interesting. But Malachi 2.10, we're in a covenant with each other. A lot of people don't know that. That when we partner with a church family, we are actually in a covenant relationship with that church. We're in a covenant relationship with God. Malachi 2, to 12. And lastly, we're in a covenant with our spouse or our family. There's three types. But if we understand that we're in a covenant relationship with the church, I don't need the highlights to keep going. this is important. I can endure the tough times. I can endure the the bad days, the days where I don't understand, or the days where it didn't go the way I thought it should go, or or it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. I can overcome that because in my heart, I know I'm called to be here. In my heart, I know God's called me to to, to this place. Rife said something to me when we first met. He says, do you know what Baldwin County needs, particularly where I live, you know, not Eastern Shore. He says, it needs a pastor who, who is called to this area and will take this thing on and will not leave. But who knows they are called to this area. That is called a covenant. He, the first words out of his mouth, just about the very first day we met, and it was, it was specifically for the region of Baldwin County that I live in. We talked about that. Covenant. Look at what Ruth said to Naomi. You want to know why Ruth risked her life? Why she became a slave? Why, why, why she she endured the impossible? Why did she go with Naomi? And maybe, why do you stay and walk even through the hard times with Pastor Rife and Shay? It's right here. She says this. It's powerful. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to go back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates me from you. What is this? This is a covenant promise and a covenant relationship. And do you know God does something amazing Through Ruth. She ends up getting married. She ends up having a son named Obed. He ends up having a son named Jesse. He has a son named David. Ruth was David's great grandmother. Do you want to know why Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Not because David was born in Bethlehem but because Ruth went with Naomi back to Bethlehem. That's a highlight right there. But what was required to get to the highlight? Covenant. A covenant was required. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. But if we're in covenant, those don't define us. Those don't get us to stop walking together. Those don't get me to stop serving the Lord. Those don't phase don't me because I'm called to covenant. There's a word that my wife and I have never used, not once. We will not use it. We will not use that D word. We don't, we don't talk that way. I'm not going to go there mentally. I, I feel the same way about the church, friends. And I'm not saying that to bring condemnation on anyone. I believe God, there is grace if, if things have happened and, and we've made mistakes. So I'm not trying to, to bring anyone into condemnation. What I'm trying to get us to do is I'm trying to get us to understand how the highlights come. They come through working out covenant. And I was part of a church in South Africa. I want to share real quick in closing, if I may. Am I, am I, he's, not, he's, not, he's not giving me an evil look yet. I was part of a church for 12 years. It was a small church. I was the only one in that church between the ages of 15 and 40, probably, or 35. I think I was in my 20s. So, you know, I'm a young guy in my 20s, and there are no girls in the church that are my age. There's no young people in the church. There's no one my age to hang out with. My spiritual mom was 20 years older than me. My spiritual dad was 20 years older than me. My best friend was 20 years older than me. He's supposed to be coming next month or in June. Hopefully he'll come. He's 62. Love that guy. That was where God put me. The church head wasn't perfect. There were days where I'm like, you know, this other church would be nice. This other church has this or that. It has highlight reels. It has nice things that are going on. But I knew that I knew that I knew that God called me to walk with my pastor. And I want to tell you something, I was there 12 years. Through that church, I met my wife. And in the fullness of time, in the exact fullness of time, had I left a year earlier or a year later, it would not have happened. But in the fullness of time, God connected me to an individual through a member of our church that was just an older couple, they were elders, we prayed together all the time, no no we were just friends we were just family we were just doing life together in church and and through that relationship i became very good friends with someone else right at the end that changed my life and god opened up a business opportunity through him right at the end right when i came here the fullness the perfect fullness of time i'm telling you our church didn't have any money didn't have any people didn't have any anyone my age but i got my wife in that church i got a business in that church i've got friends for life in that church my mom and dad are in that church and i would die for that church i love that church now it's not perfect but i knew i knew what it meant to be part of this family And I want to tell you something. I want to challenge all of us today that in our relationships, let's look at them as covenant relationships. Relationships with our church, relationships with our family. And I'm going to tell you that in the fullness of time, it may take years. It may take decades. Breakthrough will come. And we will celebrate the highlights and they will be amazing and there will be incredible things that God will do. But he's asking us to walk together. Amen? So I want to bless you, church. I want to bless Pastor Reif and Shay. I love you guys. I really am so blessed that you have brought me into a covenant relationship with you. And, and I don't take that for granted.